<laughs> a history of comedy. It's several jacks. A history of comedy. Come and have a rummage in the archive. A history of comedy. It's several jacks. A history of comedy. Come and have a rummage in the archive. Hello and welcome to A History of Comedy in Several Objects, a podcast brought to you by the University of Kent based on the British Stand-Up Comedy Archive. The Stand-Up Comedy Archive exists to collect and preserve all sorts of material relating to the history and art of stand-up comedy. Yeah, and in every episode we take just one item from the archive and talk about it in detail to see what that reveals about the art and craft of stand-up comedy. Uh, I'm Ollie Double, you just heard from my colleague Elspeth Miller, and we are very much the Nat Mills and Bobby of comedy archiving. Okay, I don't know. (laughs) We're going more obscure. Nat Mills and Bobby were a uh, well-known in their time variety comedy double act, husband and wife, uh, apparently, I don't know a huge amount about them. I've got, I've got in my own personal comedy collection, I've got one track of them on an old LP. The, one of the things that's noted about them is that they were both, the, there wasn't a funny man, straight man, or funny woman, straight woman. They were both silly. Okay. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, what's the item we've got today, Elspeth? So we have got a very well, a large photo album. I suppose it's a mixture of a, a scrapbook, really, yeah. um, containing cuttings and sort of press cuttings and promotional kind of flyers um, material, all relating to the Cave of Harmony, which was a women-only cabaret club um, set up by Monica Babinska and Barbara Norden uh, in '87. I think it ran through to 1989. Um, so it came in as part of the Monica Babinska collection. And I, I can't help remarking that this um, photo album, uh, it's one of those classic 1980s photo albums, uh, sort of uh, gluey pages that you can stick items on and then mm. a sort of cellophane <laughs> top. As, as an archivist, what do you think of those kind of... Oh, it, it's, yeah. <laughs> There's preservation um, risks to it. Unfortunately, the glue kind of degrades... And it, it sort of uh, can damage the material. So we need to sort of digitise this mm. album, which is in itself is quite tricky because it, it's got a shiny surface to it. It's also quite a large album. So although we do quite a lot of flatbed scanning here in special collections, we don't kind of have a book cradle, so we'd have to photograph this. But it, it does need digitising, and we will do that. <laughs> I'm loving the technical terms there. Uh, flatbedding, oh. flatbed scanning, and what is it? Something cradle? cradle? Like a book cradle. Book cradle. So oh. at the moment, we're looking at this album. It's on a cushion to ensure that we're sort of supporting the spine in particular. Yeah, it's on a cushion which sort of holds it open at an angle Mm. and uh, it looks very comfy. Yeah, good. These are really good cushions. (laughs) (laughs) So so this came in as as part of Monica's collection and in in front of you, you've got some text that presumably came in with it. Yeah, so the bulk of Monica's collection is is, um, relating to the Meccano Club, which we've talked about. We've done at least one episode yeah. on the Connor Club, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Maybe two, I'm not sure. But there are other other bits of material in the, in her collection. Um, and there's kind of a little series on, on the Cave of Harmony. So this album is one item within it. And then we've got a folder of other material, which is really useful because it kind of contextualises the album a bit more. Because um, the album is mainly, it's mainly kind of um, like listings. So cut out of sort of the, 
the like timeout that sort of thing and then flyers um whereas this folder has got more information on what the cave of harmony was and who was running it and kind of the support networks that they had and there's this sort of three page sort of typed sheet which is really interesting presume written by Monica but there's no author attached it's just talking about about the cave of harmony so um, it was sort of set up in May 1987 it was a women's only cabaret club so it was a women only audience a women only performers it says here that they have I don't know when this is written because it was not dated but um, at the point it was written they'd had over 1500 women attending 22 shows um, an average of 72 women per show um, and interestingly they also talk about memberships which I'm not sure if we've talked about in the podcast before so they are joining a comedy club yeah um, sometimes you'd, you'd I mean to get around licensing laws uh, you, you know to be able to do to, to meet the conditions of being able to perform in the way you want to do it you'd, ha- you'd have to make it a membership club so that that's quite complicated because it means you I think you had to join at least a day in advance yeah I don't know a lot about that but that is an interesting area mm. um, and the, the piece of paper also talks about sort of the, the type of performers that they've had which is also kind of um, shown through the album so people like uh, Annie Griffin okay you heard of? Uh, Liz Lockhead Claire Dowie Amanda Swift um, looking at the the album, we've got Linda Smith, Sharon yep. Landau, Hope Augustus, um, Hattie Hayridge. So we've talked about most of these people. That's like yeah. just, that's just a few names. So it was a real cabaret in that in that sense of sort of poets, comedians, musicians performing. And I noticed the performance pop duo Frank Chickens were also on, mm-hmm. and the old old time variety paper terror Terry Carroll. Oh, we've talked about. We have, yeah, yeah. Who used to make these amazing sort of paper sculptures before your very eyes? Mm. Um, I mean, it's, it's it's so interesting these acts. I mean, Liz Lockhead, still well known sort of poet and writer. Uh, Claire Dowie, I remember being on a bill with Claire Dowie in about 1989. She was a really fantastic comedian, the sister of John Dowie, who was a sort of comedian doing like alternative comedy but before alternative comedy I mean he started in the early to mid 70s I think um but his sister um she she was a lesbian and very very funny jokes about sort of what the world looked like from her perspective uh well one of the jokes was about something like uh, it's always marches why can't we walk anywhere (laughs) (laughs) what about if you're lazy and yeah you've got dub poet Jean Binterbreeze you've got Frank Chickens a sort of um, kind of weird, like indie band, but based on the idea of almost like karaoke. So these Japanese women who would do these songs about monster movies and things uh, to, to pre-recorded backing. They used to work a lot with Billy Bragg and Hank Wangford band. So, so I mean, I think one of the things to say is women only. I mean, what do we make mm. of that? I guess it was a sign of, or well, I don't know, was it a sign of the, the times in a sense, in that comedy wasn't very welcoming to women on, on sort of, on lineups, well, I think I think you're right. I think I think sign of the times is 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 I think possibly in two ways. It's certainly true that women were in the minority when alternative comedy slash alternative cabaret started. There were some brilliant and important women there, like for example Pauline Melville, uh, French and Saunders, but. Um, when the comic strip started, one of the things they were really keen to do was to, to get women on board. And uh, before French and Saunders became their 
sort of female double act uh, within the group. Um, there were various women who, who, who performed their singers and, you know, things like that. Um, and, you know, if you go back and look at, for example, we've got a, a recording from about 1980 at the Comedy Store and Pamela Stevenson, better known from from uh, doing Not Nine O'Clock News at the time, a sort of very successful satirical uh, TV comedy show, um, was was on the bill. Um, but the fact is that that it was a male dominated thing. So I think that's part of it. And actually, also, I have to say, having recently listened to that recording, definitely people people make out that the Comedy Store was this sort of right-on, almost communist, sort of Marxist place. But it's absolute nonsense. There's certainly horrible sexist heckling going on. Um, so, so, so there's that. And I think the other thing, going back to your point about it being sign, uh, you know, a sign of the times or a symptom of the times, is that feminism was was there was a resurgence in feminism in the 1980s and it was not unusual to have women's performance nights so for example i lived in sheffield through part of the 80s and uh, there was a women's performance night at the lead mill and i had friends who would perform there um so, so was that women only audience yeah as well yeah women only performers yeah. women only audience yeah. so it's quite interesting on this on the first page of the album um there's a flyer um, and the, the end part, the end sentence of, of the blurb on it is all women welcome for a lively and relaxing night out. That it, it sounds like it's as much about providing a welcoming atmosphere for your performers feeling able to do their set in kind of peace <laughs> as much as possible. But also audience, w- were women not sort of comfortable going to stand-up comedy shows at the time as well if... I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting point, isn't it? I mean, I mean, certainly, I think, I think it. I, there's an awful lot written about audiences in alternative comedy or alternative cabaret. I keep coming back to that point because the other point is this is not a stand-up night. Mm, no. It's a cabaret night. It's you. You get Frank Chickens. You get Terry Carroll, the paper terror. You get Liz Lock, Lockhead, the poet. You get Jean Bidsbury's the dub poet. You get. Um, Comedians like Kit Hollaback, Jenny Eclair, Sheila Hyde, Donna McPhail, um, so uh, Claire Dowie, of course. So you know, you, it's it's it, it's not a stand-up night. It, it, there are comedians on, but there are also other types of acts. Mm. Um, but um, but anyway, the point is, what what was then called alternative cabaret. Uh, there are lots of accounts of the audience, and 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 there's this sort of idea that all. Uh, the audiences were were very lefty and right on that it was there was a sort of set of references that made sense to them so Margaret Thatcher Norman Tebbit bad uh, feminism and save the whale good that kind of thing now that may have been the case in some of the clubs for example the Cassidy variety circuit was known for that kind of audience but by the same token you know you had sexist heckling at the comedy store or, or you had the earth exchange in a, in a vegetarian restaurant which I, I imagine attracted the kind of audience that you would expect at a vegetarian restaurant so so I imagine there probably were some women who um, you know would go to a, a, an ordinary comedy night and feel a bit intimidated but I think there's something else going on there as well which is there was a kind of separatist agenda within the feminist movement in in the 80s. So, for example, I had friends who lived in a shared house, uh, feminist friends, uh, some of whom were straight, some of whom were lesbian. And if some of them, if they had some of their lesbian feminist friends coming to visit them, the men who lived in the house, who shared the house with them, had to go out, right? So, so, So there's a thing where some women for whatever reason, felt uncomfortable just in the company of 
men. And also, I think there is something really to, to, to look at it more um, positively, in a sense. I think there's, I, I, I think there's something quite, quite interesting about the idea of going, let's create a space where we all feel at home mm. and see yeah. what happens. You know, performers, audience are all women. There's not going to be any of that. There's no danger of show us your tits, presumably, which is the heckle that Pamela Stevenson gets or something similar at the comedy store. You know, you're not going to get that. So let's see what happens to the performance when that happens. So in this file, we've got some correspondence. So there's... Um, is, is there anything interesting in the correspondence? I think they had sort of support from other organisations. There was an organisation called Women in Entertainment yep. who were kind of... Um, supporting them, encouraging them to join their organisation, mm-hmm. which was sort of a, a support network. Um, but there is also correspondence from 89 um, talking about it closing, unfortunately. So I'm not quite sure exactly why it closed, but I think it's, I think it was to do with the venue. Um, I like this, th- how this uh, letter is addressed. Mm-hmm. It starts at the top. Dear women. Yeah. <laughs> That's so... Cool in a way. It's like all women, we were sorry to hear that Cave of Harmony has been forced through no fault of your own to close. That's a nice message. Mm. So, this is from a, a hotel offering them a, a temporary venue whilst they're looking for a new venue. That's so but cool. I'm, I'm not sure. So, what kind of thing do we see in the, um, in the album? So, yes, it's lots of kind of cuttings from sort of listings, magazines. There's flyers, either sort of generally promoting Cave of Harmony or there's specific kind of runs, as it were. So, um, you know, the um, performers on a particular night. These were were held on Sunday nights. Um, There's also articles from from newspapers. And there's also performer photos as well, which I presume were sent to Monica. It's kind of got, similarly as the Mechanic Club collection has, it's sort of of a a kind of a homemade kind of nature to a lot of the, um, the flyers. Yeah, it's sort of photocopying and handwritten lettering and that kind of thing. It's a shame that some of the intriguing photos don't have uh, a thing saying who they are Mm. because like that one, you've got three women with interesting hairstyles, contrasting hairstyles. Is that sensible footwear? It could be. Mm. I can't remember what they look like, Mm. so I can't can't remember. Wearing the same same sort of matching blouses. It's good when they do have a name, Kit Holler back there. That looks like it's a... um like a vinyl sleeve that's been sort of it cut does. out. It does. Well, Julie Felix was a very well-known singer, sort of folk singer. It's it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, you you can see when you're just looking through it, you can see that it's by no means uh, just a stand-up night. Because I mean, Hope Augustus, for example, who who was on the cabaret circuit more generally, I saw her perform once. Was a singer, you know, sang sort of soul music and that kind of thing. A cappella, which is quite interesting. Um, it's an article there. Hope casts her spell. I'm just looking looking it up also in my trusty 1988 British Alternative Theatre Directory. Oh, yeah. Which we've talked about before as we well, have. I think. Um, and the regular MC was Donna McPhail. Oh, there we go. And there's a picture of her there, look. Yes. The girls wearing Cave of Harmony compared Donna McPhail gives her all every Sunday see listings. It's a joke on, you know, Harmony hairspray kind of thing, mm. I think. Um, so we go we go on. I mean, you, you can really tell that it's a very varied set of acts. Look at that one. Weird and Wonderful Fluke. It, it, there's a photo. Uh, it's just one of the acts helping to celebrate the first birthday of the Cave of Harmony. Women only cabaret at the King's Head 
Theatre, Upper Street, Islington on May the 1st. Her amazing magic, acrobatics and dance can be seen along with highly acclaimed jazz singer Linda Seeger and stand-up comic Amanda Swift. Amanda Swift, who is the co-author with Morwenna Banks of a really important book called The Jokes on Us about women in comedy. Um, there have been a number of books about women in comedy, but that, that was published in 87, and both of them were comedians working at the time. Morwenna Banks used to be in a programme called Absolutely, where she did this regular character of a little girl. Uh, she was really, really funny. So, we have that book in the main collection here. Yeah, It'll we do. Lovely, yeah, we do. But the, I mean, the photo of um, Fluke, uh, this acrobat magic and dance act, is amazing. It seems to be like a giant scarf coming out of her mouth. And she looks like something from a Visage video. Visage, who did Fade to Grey, Steve Stranger's new romantic band. Uh, and she's wearing a kind of shiny, I don't know what you call that really, a sort of robe. Amazing. There's a bill with... Um, so that's that's an interesting bill. You've got um, Julie McNamara. What does it say after her name? I can't quite see it from this angle. Rude joker and folk singer. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Terry Carroll, who is the last of the spectacular paper terrors of the old-time variety. And then what's the next act? Lemon and McCartry, guest speciality act. Wow. And finally, Sheila Hyde, a.k.a. Crystal Sensation compares. Sheila Hyde, uh, my first ever gig in London, I was doing an open spot at Screaming Blue Murder in Hampton Wick and she was on the bill. She was a black female comic, which was quite unusual in those days. And I remember her being like really funny, uh, really good. I wish I'd seen more of her act, actually. I, I saw the whole act that night, but what I mean is I didn't really, I don't think I ever came across her on the circuit after that. Mm. Um, but again, you know, you can see how how varied uh the the acts are this this one's interesting to me uh hope augustus the hairy marys and donna mcphail uh, i mean i worked with donna a number of times uh hope augustus i mentioned before but the hairy marys was a kind of comedy irish dancing uh ensemble and not at this point but later in their life uh, a current colleague of mine sean stevenson was a was a member what else have we got here the photos are great. Mm. It's photos interspersed with lit bits, as you said before, cut from listings. Oh, that's, that's Sheila Hyde there. Okay. My guess is, from the way she was listed, is that she was, she also, was also performing in a character, Crystal Sensation, and maybe that's her there, the character, because certainly that's not how... That, she was just... When I saw her, when I was on the bill with her, she was performing as herself, okay. and it was a different kind of vibe from in that photo. Ah, oh, so that's the Harry Marys. That's the Harry Marys, indeed. So I wonder if this is... Have, have we got any sense of this being chronological? It doesn't... It's not really dated, unfortunately, because of the nature of the listings. Yeah. Kind of, they've literally just been... The, the square, as it were, has just been cut out, so there's no dates, I'm afraid. The only thing we could do... Oh, there's lip service. Uh, very well-known sort of comedy duo who did well withering looks so that's going to be obviously a, a, a satire on on uh, or parody of withering heights was so, that a was that a proper show or was yeah they did do short? they did do total okay. shows but i think i think probably they started off as an act on a bill and then sort of yeah they would do sort of solo or not solo shows but you know what i mean like an entire show mm. 
I've I've seen at least one of their shows. I can't remember whether it was Withering Looks or not. Um, I suppose the only thing you could do is you could use one of those day of the week calculators mm. yeah. and look at that one, say Sunday 20th of November, and you can work out which of those years from around that time would have had uh, 20th of November being a Sunday. See, that is interesting. Go back to the point about graphic design. So there you see something where it's a photo which is reduced to effectively a binary image. There's no grey left in it. It's just black, stark black and white. And the lettering you've got here, which gives details of the acts, including Hattie Hayridge, is, I think, done on a word processor. It's one of those word processors where you can make fatter letters mm. or or just normal ones. And if, I reckon if you looked at that closely, you'd see that it was made on a dot matrix printer because I recognised the style from an old Amstrad green screen mm. that I used to own a long, long time ago. So it's, a, it's a, like a template flyer and then you can adjust yeah. what I meant. Indeed. Yeah, indeed. Uh, and and so on this page, things are stuck over other things, so you can't read it all. Quite interesting. So are there, there's still obviously women, women kind of comedy nights. Yeah. But certainly not only women, only audience. I don't know. That's a really good question. Um, because I think that generally where there are nights where it's just women on the bill, I think the audience would be mixed. Um, you know, there, there are different sorts of different opinions on that. Like some people think, oh, well, it's a bit patronising to women to sort of make them go in a ghetto sort of thing. But I mean, I think I would say, look, until we've got equality in comedy, why not do anything you can to promote women in comedy and make it easier for them and encourage women to stick at it? Um, because, you know, what the fact is, it's, I think it, well, I think it's better for women now, just in the sense that there's so many brilliant female comedians at the moment, uh, you know, who, who are working today. Uh, but the fact is that women are still very much a minority, still dominated by white men. And I think that the more diverse comedy is, the more interesting comedy is. And, and so selfishly, I'd prefer it if it was more of an equal balance of men and women and, uh, you, know, um, you know, other forms of diversity as well. So, so if we perhaps if we finish off by, by thinking about uh, that's quite funny. I think it is chronological in that yeah. the end of the album has yeah. cuttings from the sort of their closing, yeah. as it were. Actually, just just before we get onto this, that's nice though because mm. they've got actual performance shots there. See who we can see there: Donna McPhail in a, in a kind of um, very sort of eighties suit, like trousers and a jacket, and they're in a sort of pink colour with a very bold check, and the jacket is almost like a drape jacket, like that kind of length. And then you've got women performing in front of a silver slash curtain, those sort of strips of sort of, sort of plastic foil. Uh, let me just have a closer look there. I'm pretty convinced that's Sheila Hyde on those two photos, and I'm not sure who the other performers are. So perhaps to finish the episode, let's have a think about how this relates to other items in the stand-up archive. So I think what the album really shows us, as we've talked about today, is that kind of that, that cabaret circuit that we've talked a lot about. But in the late 80s, it still was very a very mixed bill. So we can see that through, our, through the other material that Monica's given us, through kind of material that Nick Tokshak's given us, Pete Graham has given us, for example. But then we do also have other uh, material from um, specific women-only kind of, well, not 
well, from women kind of comedy organisations. So Funny Women, who we've we've done a previous episode on. Um, we've also got some material from What the Frock, who are based down in Bristol in the southwest. Yeah, I think that's nice. And I, I, I think you're right about the cabaret connection. I think this... I think the, there's a sort of artsiness about this. It's called Cave of Harmony. To me, that's a very 19th century sounding thing. You know, Cave of Harmony strikes me as being the kind of uh, name you'd have for one of the sort of pre-music hall nights when they were having catch and glee clubs and things. They might have had a Cave of Harmony. Or maybe Cave of Harmony might evoke, you know, the sort of cabaret, the European cabaret of the 1930s. But there's something quite sort of artsy about this, which I like. And that's obviously as as it moved, as it transitioned from cabaret to stand-up comedy much more strictly, um, I think that artsiness was sort of was sloughed off. It was lost, you know. Um, and, and I like the fact that, that that's there. And I also, I really like the idealism of a women-only cabaret. I really like the idea of going... Well, you know, there is sexism in society. Some women feel uncomfortable around men. So let's make somewhere there where they feel comfortable and see what happens. Some people might feel that's a bit cosy. And I understand that argument. But, you know, just because these women were performing on this night just to women didn't mean to say they weren't performing to mixed audiences on other nights. Because, I mean, Donna McPhail, uh, Claire Dowie... Kit Hollaback, Sheila Hyde, Linda Smith, Mm -hmm. all of these people would have performed. I I, I imagine, uh, let's let's cut to the chase, I imagine all of these people would, they couldn't have made a living just performing at Cave of Harmony and Women Only Nights. Mm. So the fact is, all of these people would perform on other occasions to mixed audiences. Why shouldn't they have? That's, That's being free, isn't it? Having the choice to say, well, on this particular occasion, on this Sunday night gig, we'll we'll just perform for women. I think that's cool. But of course, this podcast isn't just about us telling you things. It's also about you getting involved. Get involved! There are various ways that you can get involved in this podcast, but first you'll need to know how to contact us. You can email us via standup at kent.ac.uk. That's standup, all one word, no hyphen, at kent.ac.uk. Or you can find us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at histcompod. So the first way you can get involved is go to the online catalogue for the Stand-Up Comedy Archive, find a listing for a comedy object and nominate it. We'll talk about all nominated objects in future episodes. That's the vanilla version of getting involved. The chocolate chip version of getting involved is to come and visit the British Stand-Up Comedy Archive in the Templeman Library at the University of Kent. If you record a short piece um, about the object that you've seen, send us the audio and we'll feature it in a future episode. And the stupidest way of getting involved, let's call it the tutti-frutti way, (laughs) is to record your own cover version of our theme tune for the podcast. Send it to us, and if we like it, we'll feature it in a future episode. Just to let you know, if you do get involved, we will give you rewards, like podcast badges, British Standard Comedy Archive t-shirts, and that kind of pizzazz, if that's a word. It is now. (laughs) A history of comedy and several objects is devised and presented by Dr. Oliver Double and Elspeth Miller for the British Stand-Up Comedy Archive, brought to you by the University of Kent. This is made possible by the University of Kent's Public Engagement Research Fund. Photography by Matt Wilson and editing and production by Matt Hoss.